after a late Saturday into Sunday as Iowa finishes off the win 27-0 over Nevada. We go back to the tape, a rewatch of the game. What stepped out in that offense that looked better? wasn't as good as maybe we thought in the wee hours of the morning. We break things down, get ready for Rutgers and Big Ten play, all coming up on today's Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Our Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back once again to the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Available wherever you find podcasts. And you can also find us on YouTube. Just search Lockdown Hawkeyes and hit that subscribe button while you're there. We greatly appreciate it. Well, time to break things down a little bit deeper than we did on the Instant Reaction podcast. Look, it was 2 in the morning when I flipped on the camera and got things started in that one. We were groggy. We were late. And on top of it, yeah, we maybe had just a, a little bit of a couple of beers in us at that point in time. So a chance to rewatch it on Sunday night and got some notes uh, that came out of that one. Yesterday, of course, the big conversation was the offense looking better, do, better doing it against the Nevada team that had their own set of issues, certainly. So we talked a bunch about that uh, in the first podcast of the week or the instant reaction, if you will, over the weekend. Now we start to break things down a little bit deeper, re-watching the game and, and the takeaways that certainly stepped up from that. We also got pro football focus numbers we're going to get into here today and uh, take a look at if that marries what we saw watching, of course, just the TV footage. Don't have the all 22 breakdown, which what I would love to have, but unfortunately, uh, that is not the case. But let's get into it here. And we start, obviously, uh, with the offense and some of the things that certainly jumped out watching through things uh, a second time. Let's start at the top with the quarterback position. And last night, you know, after uh, talking with you guys and going through kind of what we saw on that initial look through, I walked away not impressed. That, that would certainly not be the word that I would use for Spencer Petrus. Impressive was not the word I think they would come up with at any point in time. What I did think, though, it, it was better. It was much better than what we've seen the first couple of two weeks. Now, of course, there's nowhere to go but up. And those two performances were absolutely dreadful. There is no excuse for playing that poorly, even with the wide receivers being out, as we knew uh, Iowa was without those first couple of weeks. No Nico Regani, no Keegan Johnson. Those guys got back out there on the field. Even got to see a little bit more of Brody Breck. So it, it was a full complement, if you will, of the offense. But Let's start with Spencer Petras. As I went back and, and watched uh, through every one of the throws that he made and watched every offensive snap, I had to go through the DVR. And it took a while, of course, with all the delays and had to hit record and record and record. A big BTN final drive and final drive and extending it and going on and on and on. We were able to get through everything, though, and the rewatch made me a lot more concerned. Rewatching this offense once again, 27 nothing over 300 yards of total offense. Look, these are not numbers that are going to blow you by any means this offense still as a whole is ranked 131st in the country last in fbs football even after the performance that they had against nevada and remember this is a bad nevada team this is a very bad defensive team and what we saw from a couple of those guys including the interior of the defensive line leaves a lot to be desired but let's get into the quarterback and some of the notes that i came away and starting with the first completion of the day from spencer petrus is a ball that 
easily could have been interception. There was, there was a slight deflection on the ball. Catch was made afterwards, but that was one of those plays that you said, boy, most anybody else defensively, and the teams are going to play the rest of the way. Starting this week with Rutgers, they're going to make that play. That's going to be an interception. Pro Football Focus had him as one turnover-worthy play. I'm not sure if it was that one or the play later on in the game where Nico Regani goes up. Biggest play of the day offensively in the passing game. Regani, though, more than anything, he just took the football away. The touchdown pass to Arlen Bruce. That was a poorly thrown ball. They ran the wheel route two different times. That first time there led to a touchdown, the first passing touchdown of the year for the Hawkeye offense. But certainly that is one that you leave out there. There is absolutely nobody there. And Arlen Bruce had to make a diving grab to go down and get that football. I think that's a huge concern when you look at it in that fashion and just how difficult what should be another easy pass was. Still floating the ball. Mechanics were a little bit better, but still at times sloppy with the footwork, standing in the pocket, and times not keeping that pitter-patter going, standing statuesque at times. It was better, but it wasn't great. Spencer Petras is still going to be a problem for this Iowa team. When you look at the schedule going forward and what they still have in front of them, even the guy that we saw on Saturday night into Sunday, he's not going to be good enough to win many Big Ten games. He just isn't. Now, the defense certainly can. Special teams absolutely can. Those are two areas that you feel good about. Running game has to get going. But Petrus, looking back at it, the minuscule, little, just little bit of confidence that I had walking away from it after the first viewing live uh, on Saturday into Sunday dissipated on the rewatch, certainly for me. Left plays out there on the field once again. The opportunities that were there, there were a lot more gettable plays than they ended up doing in a game where Petrus goes against a Nevada team that, remember, a week before against Incarnate Word, they had given up over three, 400 yards of passing in that one. Petrus goes 14 to 26 for 175. A couple of drops, sure. Also, some plays that could have gone easily the other way. It was better, still wasn't good for Spencer Petrus at the quarterback position. We talked a lot yesterday about Caleb Johnson and what we saw out of him and his performance and getting the first extended carries of his career. Seven carries in the game, 103 yards, had the two long touchdowns. The early one, the 40-yarder, where he runs through a tackle. Then the second one, the 55-yarder. Great kickout block there from Monty Potterbaum. Maybe his best block of the year. He's really been struggling in the ground game uh, as a blocker this season, and, and that showed up outside of really that play, I think, again, on Saturday. But overall, he was the man that made that play happen. But again, the concerns. Now, Gavin Williams comes back, and Gavin Williams, he, he looked ding. 3.6 yards per carry, 16 carries for 57 yards, and outside of those big plays from Caleb Johnson, and that was a guy that did a lot of that on his own, they really struggled. I also struggled against the interior of the Nevada defensive line. You know, the young man in there, Dom Patterson, uh, Peterson, excuse me, for Nevada, he was a problem all over the place. There was three straight plays where he just completely blew up what they were trying to do. It was problems in the interior once again. Logan Jones still has a long ways to become. Obviously, it's going to be incredibly difficult for anybody to be Tyler Linderbaum or going back in the day to be a Bruce Nelson or be a Hilgeberg right in the middle. That's an incredibly, incredibly tall task for anybody. It's a guy that's still young and young in his career, not just as a player at the University of Iowa, but also at the position at center. That's going to get better, but they got to get help at the guard position. Connor Colby, he really struggled in the game. In fact, let's go right there and uh, talk about some of those numbers offensively from pro football focus. Want to go to the offensive line and the concerns that go there. We talked about Petras, his numbers from pro football focus. Uh, 52.1 is his final rating. That's terrible. Under pressure, and when he was blitzed, 42.4. His best passes were screen passes. Look. 
you're not putting a whole lot on there when that's where you break down. The offensive line, though, had its own set of issues. I uh, mentioned Connor Colby, one of the more frustrating games, I think, from him. He was a 56.3. Across the board, really the only guy that played over an average level, uh, there was two of them. One was Tyler Ellsbury, a guy that we'd heard about. He'd been on the depth chart. He played a lot and played well going back to the open scrimmage uh, in August, the only time that we got to see this football team before the season began. I don't know if it was an injury. I don't know what it was, but I thought Tyler Ellsbury, I thought he played well, and it certainly showed up in the numbers from Pro Football Focus as he finished with a 75.3 and 27 snaps. You hope those numbers obviously increase if he continues to play at this level. I would need so much help at this offensive line. If they're going to be a team that can even you know, get to seven, eight wins this season, this offensive line is going to have to be a whole lot better. Mason Richmond was the other. He continues to play probably at the best level out of the tackle group. Mentioned Connor Colby. It was a struggle for him. Uh, Logan Jones, by the way, 59.7. Below average still, but out of this group, uh, not too bad. Nick DeYoung, he was down. Uh, both Stevens really struggled, and that also showed up, I thought, in a big way a couple of times where he saw that big 70 with his back turned uh, the other way. Looking back towards the quarterback, his guys were blowing by him and blowing through him. Uh, not a great effort out of him. Jennings Dunker, he'd been good at times this year. He played one of his poorest games of the season, just a 51.8 out of him. So that's what you get when you go through the offensive line. Jack Plum played snap, 10 snaps in the game, rated out all right, but you know, it was late in the game uh, for Jack Plum and a guy that developmentally certainly has not uh, gone to the level that a lot of people anticipated out of him. Caleb Johnson, your top uh, running back from the pro football focus numbers, no surprise, 85 his final uh, number in their grading scale. Gavin Williams, very above average, I guess you will, 65.8 for him. But there just was not a whole lot of uh, running room. And then wide receiver group, you had Arlen Bruce. He led the way, 66 in the grading scale, 62 for Nico Regani in 32 snaps. Keegan Johnson uh, didn't play after the second delay, just 15 snaps for him. He graded out at a 55, also a 55 for Brody Brecht. Now, Brecht had a couple opportunities to make some big plays. You can point to, obviously, the, the throws. Were they on the right side? Was it Regani? Excuse me. Was it uh, was it Brody Breck not being able to just at the right time? Just, just not a great effort overall out of this wide receiver group. But they have wide receivers, and they were taking shots. And that's, I guess, the encouraging part here. As I said the other night, I think Brian Ferentz, he played a whale. Compared to the way he called the game against Iowa State, it was a whole lot better. Was it great? Well, we're certainly not there with him and the game calling, but it was better at the very least. So that's a look through the offense, the numbers, and again, full circle here, re-watching it. This is something that I've done the first couple of weeks. South Dakota State, rewatched the game, thought, boy, it can't be as bad as it was live, right? It was worse. Rewatched the Iowa State game, maybe not quite as bad because it was brutal. I mean, it was maybe a D minus in, in, in compared to an F. And this one, same thing. You thought, and maybe this was a B-minus effort. Rewatching it, this was a C-minus. This Nevada team defensively has been absolutely brutal all year long. The win against New Mexico State that they had at the beginning of the season. This is a New Mexico State team that's been just awful. You've seen them against Minnesota or Wisconsin the last couple of weeks. You see just how bad they were. And after they made a change at the quarterback position, being New Mexico State, they were able to move the football through the air against Nevada. 175 yards from Spencer Petras, not good enough, and left a lot of throws out there once again. Again, not nearly as encouraged as I was initially here. I was got a problem. One final thing. We're going to take a, when we come back, I want to talk about this. The decision up late in the game, 27-0, and Kirk Ferentz, we're playing everybody, right? I mean, we, we got guys out there that it took a long, long time to go through the depth chart and figure out in the roster 
figure out who these guys are. Taylor Fox was out there on the offensive line. You're going deep, deep into the trenches defensively. There are some guys that, frankly, I didn't know who they were. And I think I keep a pretty close eye on things. And Jamison Hines was out there. He played five sna- snaps late in the game. The kind of names like that that were out there. What name we didn't get? Alex Padilla. What do we read into that? We'll talk about that as we continue. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Bet Online is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports information this season. You can find the latest in football developments, game matchups, news, podcasts. They have it all, including this week's games. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, live betting, esports scores. They have it all. And not just football, baseball gearing up for the stretch run here of the regular season, golf. Boxing, MMA, huge fight over the weekend. They have you covered at Bet Online. Head to the website today or just hop on your phone and learn more about the trends and the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, as I mentioned uh, going into the timeout there, I'll look at what we have with this group and with this team and the decision late in the football game by Kirk Ferentz. Everybody's playing. You're playing the backups. Great to see they do that. I I am a big fan of that. Even as you're trying to hold on to the shutout, you're getting everybody snaps, right? You're getting guys opportunities. You're seeing those young defensive linemen. Of course, we got to see Aaron Graves, and he was playing at an incredibly high level. You get to see all this, and you get excited. But the decision by Kirk Ferentz to not go to the backup quarterback. Look, Kirk dug his heels in. And there was a lot of talk this week. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic, Tom Cakert at Hawkeye Report, David Eichold, 24-7 Sports, Hawkeye Insider. Guys that I really respect that are on the beat. They were there day in and day out. They know the coaches. They know the players at an intimate level. They're talking to them all the time. They got information. Look, I got one source. One source. That's all I got. These people have a lot more sources and know a lot more what's going on on the day-to-day basis. These are people... Yes, maybe they don't ask the questions in the way that we want to be asked when it comes to post-game press conferences, but that's also professional respect, right? This is Iowa. That's the way that we do things here. That aside, though, these are guys that do have their ear down and really get some good information. And anytime I get information, I'm always going to pass it along to you guys. That's what we do here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast and, and on my radio show on KXNO. But that's what we're going to do. When I get it, these guys are a little bit different. They get more information, certainly. And it sounded like there was some dissension. There was, first of all, an opportunity where it looked like maybe going into Monday that they were going to make a change at the quarterback position. Ultimately, Kirk slept on it, came back and said, no, we're giving Spencer one more opportunity, get one more chance. Wide receivers are coming back. We got Regani. We got Keegan Johnson coming back. We're giving him a shot here against this brutal defense in Nevada. One more chance. That's what they went. Might have been some dissension, but ultimately it's his call. But you could tell he was digging in his heels. He was a guy stubborn. We talked about the stubbornness a whole lot. You can go back and listen to those podcasts and watch them on YouTube. But the stubbornness, at times, it's what makes Kirk who he is. And the success that he's had is some of that stubbornness and doing things his way and what he believes is the best for the Iowa football program. And you have to obviously give credence to that. He's had a whole lot of successes here at the University of Iowa inside this football program. But this is one, I don't know if petty is the right word. It was just odd. As everybody's out there, young guys getting shots, names that I didn't know, names that you didn't know if you're there or if you're watching on TV and staying up until past 1.30, watching the conclusion of that one central time. That's That aside, to not put Alex Padilla in 
what is this? Is this a middle finger to the fans that were booing before the game? Spencer Peaches was announced, and many people that were there relayed this to me, that there were boos, and not just a smattering, a loud, audible boo when he was announced as the score starting quarterback. There were a few birds that came out at times, even as Iowa was coasting early in this football game. It's still there because he's still missing passes and missing passes that are very makeable. Look, you're not expecting him to drop it in the bucket 70 yards like he did at the Manning passing camp. That was in shorts and t-shirts, and we can know he can make those throws when a pass rush isn't coming his way. That's all well and good. Is that what this is? Is this what we read into it? That this is Kirk saying, look, I know football. I know this locker room better than you. We're not even going to give the backup. The Here's the part of it. And if that's the case, so be it. He's the head coach. He gets to make these decisions. This is all about Kirk Ferentz. The thing that is frustrating, though, to me about this aspect is just this. You're one play away from needing to get Alex Pitty out there. And though things were better, as we talked about at the top, they weren't great. To not give him an opportunity, to not let Alex Padilla, even if he's handing the ball off three times to Jazzy on Patterson as they were running the football late in that game, to not even put them out there, it just, it was, it was something. I don't know how much we want to read into it. I don't know how deep we want to go. But again, it goes to this stubbornness. And this is Kirk saying above everybody else and above maybe some members of his own staff that believe it's time for a change at the quarterback position that he's not willing to do that, to not trot him out there, to not give number eight another opportunity. Remember, Alex Padilla, they moved the football. Were there issues? Sure. Is he a great elixir that's suddenly going to change his team and they're going to be a great offensive team if you put him in there? Absolutely not. He is, at best, an average quarterback. I think that's a step up from where they are right now with Spencer Peters, but that is probably the best-case scenario that you're going to get with Alex Padilla. I think there's more upside. I think there's more that this offense can do if you put him in there. But to not play him late in the game, to not get snaps, to say and go through all this song and dance, going back to after the season concluded, going into spring practice, this is going to be an open competition. Both guys are going to have an opportunity. What he said, we think both these guys, we could win with both these guys, and we like both of these guys. To go through that, say all these different things, and then to not even trot them out there? Is there something more going on? Is there an injury? Padilla's going through warm-ups. He's going through practices. He's doing all those things. Is it something like that? I think if that was the case, we would know this. I think Kirk would relay that to everybody if that was really the case. And as we see Padilla going through everything and going through warm-ups for four games, it doesn't appear to be the case unless it's something we just can't see with the untrained eye. That would make sense. But again, if that was true, I think we would know about that. Is it about what Kirk's talked about a lot, the practice habits, and not just what he does on the practice field, but the habits in the film room? Now, that's one thing that I have heard is there's no doubt. Spencer Peters puts a lot more time into being an Iowa football player than Alex Padilla as it pertains to doing those kind of things, being in the film room. Now, if I was Alex Padilla and, and I saw and, and I saw what happened the first two weeks, it'd be pretty difficult to drag yourself into the film room and watch film when you know, boy, we got the worst quarterback in college football statistically and I can't get an opportunity. What's the point? I completely get that. But those are some of the things that are talked about. I, I just, I looked at it as very odd, very petty, I think, from Kirk. I'm playing all these different guys, but not even letting Padilla go in there for the final possession of the game and give him an opportunity. That one, at the very least, was weird. Well, a lot of negatives early on. The offense, not as good as maybe initially thought. We get into Kirk. What was he doing not playing the backup in a blowout game and one that you feel like you got two quarterbacks? Kirk has said that. Well, that certainly didn't come to fruition. We're going to cap things off here 
with some positives. A look at those numbers from Pro Football Focus. Iowa pitches the shutout, gets things done on the defensive side of the football. That was great to see. We'll do that as we continue the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. We're talking defense next. Trey kind of back with you one final time. It's the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Find us on the podcast page wherever you get your podcast, and of course on YouTube. You can see me here today. I am down in the man cave and be uh, back in the studio this week as we get back to work and get ready for the matchup against Rutgers. We'll break things down with that. Lashawn Daniels, he's going to join us tomorrow. We'll talk about that running game more. What did he see from Caleb Johnson? I'll get a breakdown of that. Really looking forward to our conversation with LaShawn. Jace will join me later in the week. We'll talk with Biz about his perspective of things. He was inside the walls of Kinnick Stadium over the weekend. We'll get his thoughts on what he saw in the 27-0 victory and what the environment was like. A night game against Nevada, and then, of course, the impending storm, uh, just the goofiness that was happening late in that football game. That's all coming up this week on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Today, we finish up with a look at the defense one final time and some of the numbers uh, that we saw. Outstanding effort once again. John Wagner played 35 snaps in the game. He grades out as the best player. Thought he played well. Certainly did not anticipate he was going to be the top-graded defense alignment in the football game. Joe Evans was second. Saw him in the backfield a lot. 13 was really making plays. And you can see he's a guy that has now made the leap. Starting off, Early in his career, he was undersized. He was just a guy that came in in third down situations. You know, third and long, second and long, those types of spots where the likelihood they weren't going to run at him. That was Joe Evans. He has now turned himself into a complete football player. Love Joey the Bull and what he has been able to turn himself into. Aaron Graves, he popped off the screen, didn't he? Made the sack, of course, had four tackles in the game, and the numbers back that up as he is the third-graded defensive lineman. Right behind him is Lucas Van Ness. He was really good out there. Here's a new name, though, Jeremiah Pittman. And uh, last week we got to hear a little bit more about Jeremiah Pittman. You know, down in the rotation a little bit, but I-, I thought he looked incredibly good. It was against a tired very tired offensive line, obviously, from Nevada at that point as it was into the 1 o'clock hour. But I thought he popped. He played 15 snaps. And a guy, maybe he's found himself a little rotational work, and he can go out there and, and play. A uh, few other good names out there. Ethan Herquette, he played a little bit. Logan Lee played 41 snaps again, but they were able to at least ease him back. Uh, Max Llewellyn, guy that I saw a lot in his days at Urbandale. Good to see him on the field. Chris Reams, another Central Iowa guy. Uh, looking forward to seeing the continued development out of both those defensive ends. Llewellyn, though, got a little uh, happy a couple of times, came across the line of scrimmage, but heard he has been practicing really, really well. Great to see. Deontay Craig also uh, had a sack in the game. Defensive line, they were outstanding in a day where Noah Shannon tried to make it a go, decided not, only played five snaps in the game. They said, we're going to hold him back. Hopefully he's good to go and uh, ready to go against Rutgers coming up this week. At the linebacker spot, Great out well once again. Seth Benson is your top uh, linebacker at that spot in the 79. Behind him, Jack Campbell, and they got to see the youngsters, including uh, 26 snaps for Jay Higgins. He's going to be a big piece next year, and uh, looking forward to him. Of course, his dad, always a character, always fun on Twitter. Give him a foul, and he loves his chance of hawk, hawk, 
Hawk. That's the linebacker group. Finishing up defensive backs, a ton of them played. Cooper DeGene, he is a star continuing to bud in front of us. He is going to continue to make plays as teams more and more stay away from Raleigh Moss. It's going to be a whole lot of Cooper DeGene. Jerry Roberts didn't grade out very well, but he was all over the place. I thought once again, uh, the one area that he did not grade out well was tackling. A couple of missed tackles there that led to that. So got to see a lot of guys. Quinn Schulte, well, speaking of tackling, he was outstanding. In fact, uh, him and Merriweather were really good in the tackling spot from the safety position. Both those guys played at a high level. We know the defense, right? They're going to be there. Finally, special teams, Tory Taylor was All-American. Tory Taylor, once again, Drew Stevens. I think Iowa has their kicker for the next four years. He looked that good, and it was that impressive what we saw out of him. That's a look at the defense, the defensive numbers. A lot of them married very well, I think, to what we saw and what we did in the Instant Reaction podcast. They were very good. Nevada's not very good. Still, this Iowa defense playing at a high level, lead the country in uh, points giving up at this point in time for teams that have played three games so far on the season. Rutgers this week. Hey, the total come out. So, uh, first on Sundays, the first place that you can find the betting lines is Circa. And been out there before. It's the biggest sports book in the world. It's incredible. It's available here in the state of Iowa. Love the place. And when those opening lines come out, I always just like to kind of chat out, trot out what exactly I think my lines are going to be. I was off on this one. First of all, the total in the game at 35. Over under of 35. Look, when it gets into the upper 30s, that's crazy in its own right. And that's where it was, of course, this week. And it flew under again in an Iowa game for the third straight week. But to see a number this low, in fact, 34 and a half at a couple of shops as well. Saw 35 at Circa in the opening lines. It's just something that is absolutely unthinkable. Today's college football that shows you Rutgers, the way they're built. And it shows you the continued struggles out of this Iowa offense. Iowa, though, favored by a touchdown in this game. In fact, see a couple of places it's gone over a touchdown now, over eight points Something to keep an eye on this week. I think this has another slugfest type of game set into it. We'll break down Rutgers. We'll go a little bit deeper into the Scarlet Knights here. This is not your little brother's Rutgers team, right? This this is a team that is improving. Shiano has done it before at Rutgers, doing it in a more difficult spot. This is not the the Big East of the past. This is, of course, the Big Ten, and they also play in the Big Ten East where you have not just Ohio State and Michigan, how good they look. How about Penn State over the weekend and dominating that game against Auburn and doing it, making plays in the red zone where Auburn was not able to do that. Michigan State over there as well. Indiana's 3-0. In fact, the only team that has a loss right now in the Big Ten East is Michigan State as they fell and really got handled uh, pretty well in their loss as they fell to Washington on the road. But you, you look at the standings right now in the Big Ten, it's incredible. 3-0 and for everybody in the East, except for Michigan State. On the other side, well, Northwestern currently is in first place because they have one and no conference record, but that's their only win, of course. They lost to Southern Illinois this week. What a bad loss. That was a Southern Illinois team. Speaking of Incarnate Word, we talked about them a lot last week. They got 68 points to Incarnate Word themselves, and they come be back and beat Northwestern. Only team that is undefeated right now in the West, that is Minnesota. They've done it against a couple of tomato cans to this point, including Colorado. That's got to be one of the worst Power 5 teams we have seen in a really long time, and Minnesota really put it to them. Uh, Mo Ibrahim was back. He had three touchdowns in the first half. Going to step up this week, a road trip for Minnesota, as they will go to Sparty. Uh, speaking of them, Iowa 2-1, and one, Wisconsin 2-1, and one, Illinois 2-1, and one, and then Purdue, Nebraska, and Northwestern all at 1-2 and two on the season. Somebody's got to get to Indianapolis and take their shot against Michigan or Ohio State. Good luck to whoever 
that proves to be. Hey, good luck to you as you get out there today. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Also, you can get deeper into the Big Ten as Big Ten play is now here with Locked On Big Ten. Nate Dickinson takes you around the Big Ten in 30 minutes each and every day. Locked On experts stop by and talk with him about everything happening inside the Big Ten. Make Locked On Big Ten your second listen each and every day. Thanks again to everybody out there for listening. We'll be back with you tomorrow. LaShawn Daniels, we will talk with him about what he saw with that running game. What kind of improvements did he see out of the offense? Today, a little disappointing in the rewatch. This Hawkeye offense, the offensive line, the quarterbacks still got a long, long ways to go. We'll also talk about the schedule. Take a look at that thing. How important is this Rutgers game? I'm going to make the case incredibly important this week. Important not just for conference standings and supremacy and trying to win a division title. Maybe even more than that. Maybe even bowl eligibility. Don't want to talk about the sky is falling quite yet, but take a look at that schedule. A little more daunting with the offensive struggles that we've seen. That's all coming up this week on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. We'll talk to you again soon. Go Hawks!